0: What is it about a new year that inspires us to embetterment? What is it about January 1st that motivates us to attempt a newfound commitment to a better life? Whether it's a healthier lifestyle, being a better steward of our money, quitting bad habits or beginning good ones, there's something about a new year that seems to offer hope for another chance to do it right. A blank canvas, a clean slate. Many of us feel called to new beginnings at the threshold of each new year. And as we embark on this journey, we are inevitably faced with challenges which all too often have the power to derail the scope of our new plans and send us hurtling back into the rutted path from which we came. If we hope to stay on the new trajectory of a better future, it will take more than a moment of inspiration. More than a passing comment about commitment. It will take diligent self discipline. Let's get into it. What's up, guys? You're tuned in to the Frontal Lobe Podcast, your source for discussion and thought provoking insights into the issues that matter. I'm your host, Mac Finner. Join me as I explore new ways to navigate the challenges of modern life. By shifting perspectives for a better tomorrow And I find asking why- Welcome back to Frontal Lobe, your favorite podcast. This is Mac Finner. I've got Jason Quartz, otherwise known as The Monk. Happy New Year, Mac. Happy New Year. I said we were going to try to find a nickname for you. <laughs> hey, whatever you want to call me, it's fine. Yeah. So The Monk is fine with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Oh, all right. The Monk. Good news. So, yeah. Happy New Year, man. Uh, My oldest daughter, she just turned 25 on January oh, yeah. 5th. Yeah. And... uh. Uh, she's excited that her frontal lobe is fully developed at this point. Hey, you know you got to look forward to something. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of New Year's, do you have any New Year's resolutions this year? Oh no, not me. I don't. I don't really make those anymore. I don't either. I don't. I don't mess with New Year's resolutions. Uh, I feel like, you know, we need to be committed to trying to have self-discipline and good behavior all year. You know, the level of failure when
1: it comes to uh, New Year's resolutions is just epic. Yeah. Nobody really wants to admit that, but it's true. Yeah. 99% of all
0: New Year's resolutions never go fulfilled. Hey, so I'm pulling up right now. What are the most popular New Year's resolutions? Okay, number one, exercise more. Uh, number two, eat healthier number 3 lose weight i think both number 1 and number 2 would would kind of lead to number 3 lose weight in theory number 4 save more money i think uh, that's one that phew, we'd all like to do more of number 5 spend more time with family and friends this is uh, on usa today by the way number 6 spend less time on social media yeah that's a good one i think uh, uh, you know a lot of people kind of take little breaks from facebook and they'll they'll put a post out saying hey i'm gonna be off of facebook for a while and they come back a month later or something and i've talked to a couple of people including my oldest daughter i mentioned earlier who you know just recently turned 25 uh she's done that a couple of times and you know it has benefited her uh she's been better off whenever she comes back from taking that hiatus from social media so i like that one You know, we go camping from time to time, and
1: I always choose places where you get really bad phone signal. Yeah. So, everybody's just got to put their phone down, and there's no social media, no Japanese cartoons or anything for all my people to look at. And so, we actually have to visit around the campfire. Yes.
0: We're always better when we come back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's another, speaking of low stress, number seven is reduce stress on the job. I think maybe... Stress level might be correlated with our response to the stressful environment. So things happen regardless of how you respond to it. You can either be stressed out about it or react in a – or respond, I should say, in a in a calmly organized manner and and try to have a resolution. Yeah.
1: That might you work, know, you know, one item at a time. But I think a lot of people are dealing with a lot of things at
0: one time. Yeah. And that may be the overwhelming part is what's stressing them out. Right. Number eight says reduce spending on living expenses. So not running the air conditioner as much, not uh, running the roads as much, because uh, a lot of people are kind of getting hammered with gas prices now. So
1: yeah. And it seems like uh, we're spending more time on the road nowadays than you know we used to. I know that when I was younger, I wasn't on the road all the time, but Uh, Toward the end of my career, it seemed like I was there all the time, forever having to go somewhere. Yeah. And then sitting in slow traffic sometimes, too. Work-related or? Uh, Both, personal and work-related. I have a friend who uh, lives not far from where she works, but it's about 40 minutes there and 40 minutes back every day because traffic's moving slow. Yeah.
0: And uh, I'm thinking, how much of your life is that, sitting on the highway, creeping, creeping, yeah, now that's interesting. Uh, I, I watched a video the other day on social media. I think it was Facebook. And a guy was going through a list of how much time people spend doing certain things. He started off by saying, okay, if you're 18 right now and you live to be 90, then you have X amount of months left to live. Okay. And he kind of showed a diagram of these little circles. Each circle was a month and you'll, you had a certain amount. So then he filled in the circles as he mentioned these things he says okay you're gonna spend this much time sleeping then you're gonna spend this much time in the bathroom whether it's taking a shower brushing your teeth whatever and it was several months and then this much time driving and, and etc yada yada and at the end of it all they spent like 96 percent or something way up there almost all of the rest of their waking hours looking at a screen of some sort Mm-hmm. And it was a kind of a wake-up call for people to get your face out of that screen and go live your life. Go actually participate in real life. Right, right. Where real people are. And that should be someone's New Year's resolution, if anything, is to, you know, so I, I kind of like that one. But those are the top eight uh, resolutions of this year, according to USA Today. You know that one that said spend more time with family yeah.
1: and friends? I mean, that's, that's an important one because... You know, when you get older, that's
0: what you're going to wish you did. Right. You know, you might as well start now. Yeah, that's true. And uh, a lot of people, no one's ever on their deathbed going, man, I wish I would have spent less time with my family. You know? I
1: sure wish I would have had more screen time.
0: <laughs> Matter of fact, before
1: I go, hand me my phone. <laughs> right. But, uh, I'm going to go out and start. I need to check in on
0: uh, Facebook, <laughs> see if anybody liked my post. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I think all of these resolutions have one thing in common, okay? Now, listen, they all have to do with self discipline. Oh, yeah. You know, just being disciplined in some form. Again, I don't do New Year's resolutions, but I can tell you I need more self discipline in general. You know, I could eat uh, healthier, I could save more money, all of these things. You know, I need to be a better steward of all of the gifts that I've been given. Right including time that's true yes
1: i always tell people time is the only currency
0: that actually matters how much time are we spending with the lord each day 5 minutes 50 minutes 5 hours what what are we doing you know people have prayer closets that they go in and escape from the rest of the noise the hustle and the bustle and it's just them and god i think that's wonderful it is you know, and and I've seen some uh, pictures and videos of some amazing looking prayer closets where these people get into it and they they set this closet up and it's just a little closet, okay? Yeah. But they set it up to where they can really focus on the Lord. It's got nice lighting in there. It's it, it's very peaceful and quiet, and I think it's a great idea. It is. My mom's got one. And it looks like a
1: miniature version of the war room at the White House and stuff. I mean, she's got things on the wall, you know, and uh, uh, notes and uh, things that connect to other things. And then her Bible laying on the table there. And you could tell that things have been happening here.
0: That's amazing. But, you know, we should all uh, at least whether it's in a physical closet or in our bedrooms or outside on the porch drinking a cup of coffee with the Lord in the morning. We should wake up and go, hey, God, thank you, you know, and first thing. Yes. Just start talking to him immediately. He's the creator of all things. Amen. Yes. Immediately. But we have to be, again, self-disciplined to do that. It's true. It can't be something you do just every now and then. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Scripture
1: says you should pray without ceasing. I mean, there's no way to do that without some self-discipline. So,
0: you know, number one, I think of delayed self-gratification. We were told about something called a marshmallow test, okay, years ago. And we've got two little girls. They're almost 14 now. They're twins. And we gave them a marshmallow test. And so, you put a marshmallow in front of these little kids, okay, I'm talking about three or four years old. I don't remember how old they were. And you tell them, you can either have this marshmallow now or... You can wait one hour and you get an extra marshmallow. And then, and then the test continues. If you wait one hour and you get two marshmallows, you then will have the choice to eat both marshmallows if you want, or wait another hour and have a third marshmallow. Well, one of them said, uh, you can go ahead and close up that bag. I'm going to have the whole bag. I- I'm going to keep waiting until all of the marshmallows are mine. And that was very impressive. And the other one said, I want my marshmallow right now, right now. And we gave her the marshmallow and she ate it. Bow, No hesitation right then, you know, and the other one waited until we told her there's been plenty of time past this entire bag of marshmallows is yours. And she's like, well, if I keep waiting, can I have another bag? You know? So there are plenty of benefits to having self delay. You know, have you heard of this? What's the finance guy who does, uh, Financial peace university. What's his name? Yeah. I know who you're talking about. I actually went through that. Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey. That's the guy. So he talks about this idea of live like no one else. So you can live like no one else. So that now, so that later you can live like no one else. Well, living like no one else right now is delaying your self-gratification. You don't have the nice truck. You don't have the expensive suit. You don't have the nice shoes. And you're driving an old clunker or whatever, but you're saving money and you're in you know investing and whatnot. So then later you become a millionaire. And when other people are in debt, you have the nice truck and the nice suit and the nice house, and it's all paid for cash. So this idea that's very beneficial, you know, delayed self-gratification, that's the first thing I think of when I think of self-discipline. And then there are other benefits, you know, there's health benefits, obviously. Uh, what other benefits are there from having self uh, delayed self-gratification? How about relationship benefits at work? If you are others oriented at work, uh, you kind of serve them, you know, you lift others up and you want you know it's it's not about you, it's about them and and helping others to be successful around you, help your team to succeed, uh, that will certainly benefit you and in your relationship at home with your spouse. Uh, when you serve your spouse, instead of wanting to be served, it's not about you getting gratified. When you serve, you lead and you lead by serving. And and, and later, if it's in his will for you to get what you wanted, you know, whether it be a new truck or just some respect, then so be it. You get that and you'll be thankful. But it's not about you getting that. You push those things off. You don't worry about being gratified right now. And you focus on others and also the community. When we're all practicing what Jesus calls us to do, which is die to self, we're taking kingdom instruction that he gave his disciples. That's right. He He was talking in, I think it was the book of Luke. And he says, if you want to be my disciple, well, first of all, you got to ask yourself, is that me? Yes. Yes. He says, then you must first deny yourself. Right. Pick up your cross and follow me. Well, denying yourself is the absolute core of the gospel, in my opinion. Do you agree with that? Absolutely, absolutely. Because it ain't about you. No,
1: uh, the number one drive I think uh, that people have is self—making myself happy, making myself comfortable. You know, doing what self wants. You know, one of the four, one of the very first tenets of living this gospel is to deny yourself, to put yourself aside, put Jesus
0: and put everyone else first. That's right. And actually, if you think about it, self-discipline, right? So discipline, what is the root word? Disciple. Disciple. Or maybe it's the other way around. Disciple. Yeah, yeah. They're connected. Discipline. They're it's almost the same them. word. You're, you're a letter or two away from being the exact same word. So, yeah, if you want to be his disciple, you have to have discipline, self-discipline. So, I think that almost all aspects of your future benefit from having self-discipline. And I think on some level, everyone intuitively knows that that is truth. And so... That's why they try to make a new commitment every year. They go, you know what? Well, I messed up last year. Well, it's the new year. I'm going to do this. It's like a new beginning, a new
1: start over a new me. How many times have you heard it? It's a new year. New me. Yeah. And not really, uh, not till you do something new, a new chance. Yeah. You got a new opportunity
0: because it ain't yesterday. But yeah. So what happens though, when people have these new year's resolutions, what happens on month two, month three? Normally. You said 99% do what? They've fallen off the wagon, man. They fall off the self-discipline wagon, so to speak.
1: And I'd like to say I've fallen off that wagon a few times and got run over by the
0: back wheel. All right. So, yeah. uh, no, I'm, I, you know, I'm not better than anybody else here. So, what are some of the examples of falling off of the self-discipline wagon?
1: Going to the Mexican buffet.
0: So, Addiction. Oh, food is the biggest drug in the world. Yeah, I think food is very addictive, and uh, I guess it creates dopamine or whatever in your yeah, body. Yeah, it releases happy chemicals yeah. inside of your body. That's right, just like any other drug. So addiction itself is you know, one way people fall off the wagon, uh, whether it be drugs, alcohol, or even food, or even a lack of exercise. People will start exercising. They'll do it well for a while. But then something happens. They're sore or they're just tired or they get stressed out at work or there's there's always something. I personally have a list of excuses as long as my arm, okay, in small type. Right. Right. No, for sure. Another example of falling off of the self-discipline wagon might be uh, how we treat others you know instead of responding in love we kind of react in the flesh sometimes and then we try to vindicate that behavior even though it's not vindicated how you feel might be valid but those behaviors are not vindicated and we might react in our flesh and get defensive and straight narcissistic behavior okay right and and that's falling off of the self discipline wagon right there but if we're not careful, those types of behaviors can become habit, just like the buffet you mentioned. Oh, for sure. Hey, let me let me give you the flip side of that
1: very same coin. This is a big deal in this generation right now is that they are addicted to receiving validation from other people, namely on the Internet. Hmm. And so they're out virtue signaling on the Internet or saying or doing whatever it takes for people to click them and respond and say yeah you go person way to go for you and they're addicted to this validation and they have to have it and without it they start falling apart so a lot of times i hear namely ladies say you know i'm going to be stronger this year and i'm going to deal with my emotions and i'm going to promote myself i'm going to get better you know i'm going to look all look up things on the internet you know to reassure them that they're good enough and they're smart enough. And over some time, they revert right back to it. You know, they start needing validation from people at work or from people around their house. Next thing it's the internet, they're getting validated again. Anyways, it's another real addiction
0: people are suffering with. nowadays. that's a good point. So people get addicted to being validated. I wonder, does that also release some of these feel good chemicals in the brain? It does. It so does. if you get 100 likes on a post on Facebook. Yeah, you get those giggles. Yeah. Huh. Now, that's, that's a fascinating thought. Uh, I can't say that I'm not uh, guilty of it myself. Whenever I get a couple hundred likes on a post, I think I do feel kind of good about that. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, a lot of people like that. Why does that make me feel any better when I feel like. If nobody liked it, which is the case most of the time with my post, nobody likes it, <laughs> one or, or six people maybe, so what? I'm just moving on with life. It doesn't matter. Right. This this validation means nothing. But I think you're right. It might release that feel-good chemical in your brain because I have been guilty of it myself. I'm like, ooh, that's cool, man. I got to 200 likes on this thing. It's it's always a picture of my wife. Is that what you it know? is? <laughs> Every time I get that Every, many likes. Everybody likes her, huh? Yeah. I just throw myself in the picture a little bit. So I'm like, I feel good about people liking it, but yeah. that's not why they liked it. <laughs> You're Right. You're right. That's funny, though. So what are some of the obstacles that make staying on the wagon more difficult? Why do people fail? What, what are the obstacles that people face, you know, on month two, month three?
1: Is um, it stress
0: at work or, you know, we kind of talked about that a little bit.
1: Well, I think uh, universally, everybody's going to start with some sort of stress. And then the schedule doesn't line up for them to do whatever it is they try to do right. You know, as the new year begins and all the machines start running again and everybody's running back and forth, you know, first week of the year, you had time to meal prep and do all this stuff. And then three weeks into the year, you know, you're back to working 12 hours a day and having to stop by the supermarket on the way home and getting little Jimmy to soccer or Whatever, And there's,
0: you know, there's no time. Ah, so a lack of time. But have we done that to ourselves? For sure. I mean, we could prioritize health over these things that that just kind of fill the voids. That's right. Jimmy don't need to go to soccer. Again, (laughs) the list of excuses I have is long. And I think time takes up the most space on the list. Right. Let me just go there for a second. Let's say I talked myself into doing 10 push ups and that's it. Just 10 push ups. And then I did that again the next day. And then I did that again the next day and the next. Just 10. And I never went up. I would if I, you know, if you do 10, the right. next day you might be able to do 11. But let's just say you stuck with 10 push ups and you did that every day. 365 times 10 is what? 3,650 push ups. And guess what? I didn't do any of those last year. So that would be uh, over 3,000 push ups that I didn't do last year. You even if I only, if I never did more than 10 push ups. Yeah, that's, a a that's a net win in my book. So how much time does it take to do 10 push ups? Not long. Uh, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, maybe a minute. So you're talking about one minute to get over 3,500 push ups done in a year when you didn't yeah. do that the year before. So I, I think we could alleviate and eliminate a lot of the things on our list just by prioritizing it and understanding that it's just an excuse. It's not reality. You do have enough time. You've got 30 seconds, man. But something's distracting me during that, you know, 10 seconds. And what kind of distractions do we have out there?
1: Being tired. That's going to be what you hear from a lot of. I'm just so tired. Tired.
0: They just want to sit down. But you know, if you exercised, it actually gives you more energy and you wouldn't be as tired anymore. Part of the problem, part of the reason you're tired is because you don't exercise. Oh, for sure. You know, I say we could alleviate most of the excuses on the list, but some are way harder to alleviate. You know, time is a big one that people use, but that's way smaller than something like depression. Yes, you know, there are people out there struggling with a very real chemical For issue, sure. hormones, and now I'm not gonna say that it's all chemical and it's all medical because there are a lot of people who just have a bad perspective. Okay, and they could change their perspective and be happy right now. But they're they're focused on the wrong things, and so they tend to have a chip on their shoulder and be bitter or or they're just sad because they feel like a victim. There's a lot of victimhood going on in our society today. Nonetheless, with all of that being said, there is a real thing called depression, and people uh, struggle with that. And they they aren't focused on the wrong things. They try everything they can, but the feeling is just on them. Right. They're being attacked by anxiety and depression and whatnot. Right. And they have to take medicine, and the medicine helps. Help some of them. Yeah. The people know. who actually have it, you know, there is medication to help you with those hormonal issues, you know. And, and then there are other distractions and obstacles in the way, like everyday life. You know, we talked about working 12 hours a day. That's tough. But what about relationship problems? Divorce. Man. People that are going through a split up, you know, in and in a divorce, especially if they have children together, yeah. that is tough. That is an obstacle that makes having self discipline way harder. In fact, we're tempted to go the other way, right? The buffet yeah. or even the bar. For sure. Absolutely.
1: As a person who has been there more than once, uh, I can tell you that the overwhelming depression that sets in and uh just physical tiredness and the inability to process information in a way that can produce action on your part is staggering you know someone going through a divorce just can't see and do what someone who isn't can do Uh, they don't possess currently the facilities to continue processing and continue making a difference that what's happening in their life is so devastating to their heart and to their mind. And especially if you have kids, man to see your kids leave your house and go to somebody else's house. Mm. It's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And, but it's for people who want to stay married and who, who want to continue with the covenant that they made with this person and it's not working out that way, it's just devastating to them. And I I could see where you would lose, you know, your self-discipline, your ability to study the Bible or uh, continue on with the things that you should do to continue your life moving
0: forward in a positive way. But, you know, divorce, as painful as it is, again, I've got to go back to dying to self. Self Self-discipline, it may not be about cheeseburgers or alcohol or or whatever. It may be about taking care of that child. You said you said watching them watching your children go live with someone else. Well, what about the person who they're living with? They also went through a divorce and now they've got a child there depending on them 100% of the time. I know. I raised my oldest daughter alone because I went through a divorce. I had my child I put every bite of food in her mouth, changed every diaper. I had to take care of her 100% of the time, all the time, by myself. I remember having to move one time. I had to move, and I couldn't get anyone to help me move, and I couldn't get anyone to help watch my kid for me to move. And so there I am moving washers and dryers and refrigerators and couches and all of this by myself with a one-year-old running around, uh, Mm. you know, hanging on my pants leg. It's tough. Yeah. So it's tough, but guess how you do it? You die to yourself. You've got to put how you feel, what you're going through to right. the side and say, this other person's needs are above mine. Right. That's so, it's done. So self-discipline is still necessary regardless of yeah. the obstacles that, that may make it more difficult to, to be disciplined. It
1: doesn't mean yeah, it's more difficult. That doesn't mean... Uh, Get rid of it altogether.
0: Right, right. you got to put some work in. It's more difficult. It. You know, when people lose someone, a death in the family, divorce is is kind of like loss. But I think when you lose a spouse, for instance, to death, it, it kind of brings it to the next level of loss. You know, or if you right. lose a child, God forbid. Man, can you imagine what those? Because they're out there. They've lost a child. Yeah. They hear me talking about divorce and raising a kid alone and they're like, ha ha, you think that's tough? Right. Try losing your child. You know, they could tell me stories that would have me, my hair standing on end and crying in a in a bucket, you know. Right. So some of the obstacles out there that make it, you know, they our heart goes out to them and we go, Hey, I'm with you let's have a cheeseburger <laughs> you know maybe next year we can get back on on the wagon of self so I, I think something that's
1: culminating in this conversation here is that everybody is going to have some sort of obstacles in their way mm. to self discipline that's good and we all have to overcome them yes and uh eventually self discipline our way out of them
0: yeah and maybe if you're faced with more drastic or heavy or burdensome obstacles than than me maybe it's just because god knew you were going to be stronger than me and able to handle more you know and so he created you with more being more equipped to handle such a thing
1: yeah i, I tend to think that what he's called you for in the future is going to require more of you and your ability to handle things has got to be a lot tougher than maybe someone
0: else's yeah I agree with what you just said, but let me point out that's a little scary, wee bit, huh? Yeah, because when I think about what I've been through, and I'm like, oh man, does that mean I've got more of that coming in the future? And this way, I'll be able to handle it. Uh, that's not a great feeling, you know. When when you've been
1: through something, though, you're you're more able to minister to someone else who's ah, going through
0: it later. And there it is. Yeah. Well said. I like that. Well, you know, at the end of the day, we're talking about children here. Isn't self-discipline the main thing that kind of separates us out from from those children? Because besides as, the fact that they're short, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but as children, they don't have the ability to be self-disciplined, and so we have to do what as parents: we have to discipline our children. Correct. Okay. And if we don't, uh, obviously, that's another episode in itself, uh, some of the consequences of not disciplining your children. But as adults, we don't have our parents overseeing us with authority, disciplining us when we need it. We have to discipline ourselves. And I think that is the difference between an adult and a subordinate child who is living at home. They are to be disciplined by their parents, and we have to discipline ourselves. Absolutely.
1: Now, how does that apply to you as a Christian person who is trying to grow their relationship with God? You know, where does self-discipline fit into that? Church tends to make things, you know, seem super spiritual a lot of times. and then, yeah. But there's physical time you got to put in right. to, to be able to grow spiritually. Let me tell you a little story real quick.
0: Okay, perfect.
1: Uh, so I had had listened to this song by Jelly Roll. You know him, big guy, tattoos on his face. Yes. Anyways, he's got this song uh, called "Need a Favor," and in that song, he's talking about how he never prays unless he needs a favor from God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so on the daily, you know, he's not really putting any time in with his relationship with God. He knows God, but he's not really doing anything. But then inevitably, something happens. And he needs help. And he's done everything he can do, and now he needs to pray. Now he's going to pray hard. Going to try to move God now, you know? Right. Wouldn't it be easier to have some self-discipline and uh, have a relationship with him every day?
0: Right, Instead
1: right. of trying to put it all, you know, bet all your chips on one, one day, you know? And, uh, well, anyways, I sent this song to this lady that I know, Kamisha, and uh, she sit back. Oh, yes, that's my problem. I mean, she was just real open about it. Yep. Yeah, I have that same problem. I just never seem to pray until I need something. And she talked about how she uh, bought this bunny rabbit and prayed and cried on it when she needs something. She needed something really bad. And and God came through for her, took care of that problem. But ever since I sent her that song, uh, she says every time she gets in the car, the car automatically pulls it up and plays for her. Every time she gets in. Wow. She's like, Yeah, I know. I probably need to keep listening to that song. And I'm I'm over here thinking, yeah, God's talking to you. He's like, hey, man,
0: start praying, you know, every day. Start talking to me every day. That's good stuff. And and it's not just every day. It's all day, every day. So what did you say her name was? Kamisha? Yeah. Kamisha. So right now, Lord, I just lift up Kamisha and I pray that you continue to draw her closer to you, Father. Yeah and commune with her lord and help her to grow in her trust for you in every aspect of her life and lord help help me to grow in that as well lord so that i never try to do this life thing without you and then only pray like this song says when i need a favor no that i just trust you that mm-hmm. you're with me at all times and involved in everything i do in jesus name thank you lord amen so, look, let's check out some scriptures here. You were saying, you know, what does that mean to a Christian? I don't know. Let's let's check out some of these scriptures. Uh, scriptures on self-discipline, okay? And this is just in Google. Uh, Proverbs 25, 28, it says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So, some of these might say self-control and some are, well, I put in self-discipline. Wait a minute. Let's Let's check out. What is the difference between self-control and self-discipline? It's a good question. Okay, here we go. While self-control concentrates on managing our impulses and desires in short, in the short term, self-discipline is about long-term commitment and perseverance toward our goals. So that was the focus. Here's the nature. Self-control is reactive as it involves responding to temptations, And distractions effectively. And I think we touched on that. Self-discipline is proactive as it involves creating and following a plan to achieve our goals. Okay. So uh, self-control is reactive. Uh, Self-discipline is proactive. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And then application. Self-control is typically applied in specific situations like resisting an unhealthy food option. I think we touched on that one. Tacos. Whereas self-discipline is applied to our daily lives as it involves creating and following a plan to achieve our goals. Okay, so they are tied together, kind of like prudency and wisdom. So self-control
1: is I'm not going to eat these tacos that are in the fridge because I'm trying to be healthy. And self-discipline is I'm going to go ahead and meal prep and cook the other foods that I do need to eat and have them in the fridge. So that I can eat that and not eat the tacos. And remove the tacos. Don't buy those. Wait a minute. Wait. Hey. Hey. Hey.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Easy, man. More scriptures. Here's 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control, it says. And I'm not sure what version this is. It's not telling me. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9.27 But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, how
1: many times, you know, do you share some good information with people, right? And then next week, by next week, you've already committed an infraction against what Mm. you told someone else. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's everybody falls into that.
0: Nobody means to. It just happens. Here's another one, Proverbs 16:32. I love me some Proverbs. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Yeah. So when we were talking about the benefits earlier of having self-discipline, man, it's better to have self-control and self-discipline than to conquer a city. That's how much it benefits you. It's, it's one of the best things ever. I can see that. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 23 through 24, and that you may be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. That's good. hmm You
1: know, my grandpa, when he was younger, he had like no self control. I mean, I mean, he meant well, you know, but he just didn't have any real self control. He he was he was very old, and uh, matter of fact, he had actually seen the Titanic. Wow. Yeah, yeah, he saw, and he knew from the beginning, from the get go, that this thing was going to sink. What? Yeah, and he was he was uh you know out like Holy Spirit download or what? Like, what he, do you mean? He knew it was going to sink. How? And. And I don't know. He he would warn people, "Don't get on that ship. Don't get on. That, the ship's going down." And he would warn everybody he saw, "Don't get on that ship." And he was making such a noise and such a racket that the people in the theater came and grabbed him and they threw him.
0: <laughs> they <laughs> threw him right out of there. He couldn't control himself. In the theater, <laughs> I thought you were serious, man. I was. <laughs> you had me. You had me. I love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> you had me going there. I'm like, what? uh all right look philippians 3 12 through 14 it says not that i have already attained this or am already perfect but i press on to make it my own because christ jesus has made me his own brothers i do not consider that i have made it my own but one thing i do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead i press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. So here comes goals again. Right. So self-discipline is kind of goal-oriented. For sure. Oriented. It is
1: goal-oriented. Yeah. I mean, because why would you do all this if there wasn't something to win
0: at the end? You, you're, you're disciplining yourself because you want something. And then we also get disciplined by the Lord, right? So it says for that sure. he disciplines those. He loves his children. And if you're not disciplined, then you're not a true child of his. That's right. And I I have found in my experience, and correct me if if you have a different experience than this, but I've found that when I'm receiving discipline from the Lord, it's almost always Him allowing me to face the consequences of my own decisions. Yeah. It's not Him smiting me from above. It's Him just removing a protective hand from me for a minute and going, well, son, I'm gonna have to let you face this consequence because you haven't learned the easy way yet. He's allowing you to live through what you've created. That's right. And normally it's just temporary. And he's protected me from myself so many times, but then he very gently and lovingly removes his protective hand a little bit and allows me to face some consequences just enough for me to learn my lesson. And it enables me to grow. That's right. You know, when I was a kid, they would tell you, don't
1: put your hand on that burner, it's hot. Don't put your hand on that burner, it's hot, you burn yourself. But if you was walking over there toward that burner, right, your mother would be trying to, no, she's gonna to try to physically stop you. But dad was like, No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Let him go. Right? And you walk over there and you slap that burner and it burns your hand, you scream, and then dad would be like, He'll never do that again. Told you, son. But I bet you ain't gonna do that no more. Yeah. Right? And, you know, and that was love. That was love. Nowadays, people wouldn't consider that to be love. But I tell you what, that's a lesson you didn't want to go back and do ever again. Matter of fact, that lesson permeated your mind so much that you grew up and had kids and you were able to speak. You were fervent about teaching that, hey, if you touch that stove, it's going to burn you, you know. And so it wasn't like you just left them to figure it out on their own. You were there to tell them up front. Right. Uh, Because somebody showed you this love before. Right. Much like God, remove his hand just a little bit, let you live through some of your own stuff. loving.
0: The most loving thing he could possibly have done in that moment. Yes. Because he's prioritizing my future, my well-being over how I feel right now and over what I think about him. Mm -hmm. Because some people get bitter, right? They resent God and they say, how did you let me go through that? You know. Oh, they do. They resent him or whatever. But that doesn't scare him. He's like, hey, at least you're going to be better off. And later they come back to him. He knows that. But he's not scared of your resentment. He prioritizes what's best for you. And that's what love does. Right. For sure. And that's what we need to do for everyone. But we're talking about our children here. Um, Revelation 319. Here's the next one. It says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline so be earnest and repent. There it is right there.
1: Right. And repent means to
0: you know, just confess it and change your ways. We'll go in the other direction. Titus 1.8 says, rather, he must be hospitable. One who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. If I'm not mistaken, he's talking about leadership in the church right here. Proverbs 13 4. Man, I love me some Proverbs. It says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So, this diligence that it speaks of, you have to be disciplined to be diligent, a commitment to reach your goals. You know, if you want to save money, you can't just save every now and then. If you want a good relationship with the Lord, you can't just commune with Him. Every now and then you have to be diligent every day, all the time. Keep constant. Yeah. You have to be consistent and diligent in what you're doing. And that is discipline. Ephesians six, four, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And what is the discipline of the Lord? He's telling us to do how he does us, Right we have to allow our children sometimes to face the consequences of their own choices. Right. And that's tough. It's tough to do because you do care about their feelings and you even care about what they think of you, but you have to care more about their future. What's best for them.
1: For sure. Uh, You know, I'm not going to be here forever and uh, I needed to, protect them, but I also needed them to feel how the world is a bit, you know, and how that works. And so you can't save them from the consequences of their mistakes or their choices
0: every time. Right. And maybe there's a time for that and we we can protect them a lot. Right. But every now and then. It's not every time. Right. And God can't
1: do that for us either. They will never learn any self-discipline. Uh, if they don't experience consequences and decide that they
0: want something different. If they don't have any, what I call, have to in their life. Right. So, I heard about these trees that have super deep roots down in Florida on the beach. And the wind is blowing on these trees 24 hours a day. We're talking about minimum of like 40 mile an hour winds at at all times, no matter what. Okay. And then it goes it goes up from there. They get high winds a lot, and these trees don't fall down. Right. But if you come over here to Orange, Texas, we've got these gigantic oak trees, and it seems like every time the wind blows a little bit, poof, they All fall over. Because they're not deep. That's right. These roots aren't deep. Now, why? Because they don't have to be. Yeah, they can find water near the surface. That's right. Now, why are the roots deep? On these other trees that we're talking about, because they have to,
1: the 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 situation on the ground is a little drier, a little harsher. They got to
0: dig deeper to find what they need. They they got to, you said, right? They have to. It's so a requirement. If we don't allow our children to have to, to have some have to in their life from time to time, then they will. Their roots will not go deep. That's right. Their character They're knocked will. over by the first storm. Mm. Man, that's powerful. That's good stuff. So, one of the things that I wanted to make sure that we touched on here is that when we do have a relationship with Christ, what we get is absolute proof that he is the way, the truth and the life by Holy Spirit being put within us. He resides within us and guides us, okay, every every day. So, there are fruits of having the Spirit within you. Nine fruits that the Bible tells us attributes, if you will, of a person uh, who is living with Holy Spirit, walking with in the Spirit every day. Love, which is selflessness. Mm-hmm. We we talked about you know narcissism earlier a little bit. That's the opposite of love. Uh, one of our old pastors used to tell me, "Hate is not the opposite of love. Selfishness is." Yeah. I like that a lot. That's always resonated with me, and I've never forgotten that. That was Pastor David Berkheimer.
1: Well, like I said in the last podcast, that love and self can't coexist in the same spot. That's true. Yeah.
0: They're opposites. Love is always about the other person. It's like light and darkness. Right. Uh, another one is joy, which is a deep sense of contentment and gladness that comes from only comes from a relationship With Jesus Christ. True joy. Now, you might be able to feel good in the moment. Feel happy Uh, happy, right now. But but that's not this. It's not what joy is. Right. Uh, Another one is peace. Now, that inner peace, that reconciliation with God kind of brings uh, harmony into our lives. A peace that surpasses all understanding according to the scripture. Patience is another one. Patience. Is not just being slow to anger and showing forbearance, but it's having an amazing, selfless, appreciative, low stress attitude while you're waiting or while you're having to endure something. You know, it's a little
1: easier to have some patience when you grasp the concept that the outcome of a situation actually relies on something or someone else like God. Hmm, It's an interesting thought. When When the outcome is solely on me, or I believe that it is, then I believe I got to hurry up and get something done. I got to quickly make things happen. And it takes away my patience. Patience requires you to wait,
0: usually. So now that we're talking about this, I think that patience is something that we have. It's not something that we have to necessarily obtain, but something that we have the choice to show that right. we have, prove that you have by having this good attitude while you wait or whatever. It's not like you ran out, right? And your pockets are empty yeah. of it. You don't have any more. Your, your account is completely empty of patients. No, you're just choosing not to use the patients that you've been provided. You know... used to irritate me people in the
1: 80s adults would say well i'm going to pray for patience for god to give me patience because i need it and i know that everything's going to go wrong as soon as i pray that prayer and that's how god's going to teach me and i'm i'm like um it says that it's a fruit of the spirit of god does the spirit of god live in you well then it's already there like you said yeah you know, perhaps you should just throw your bucket in the well and pull some out. Yeah. And use it. But think about what they believe while they're praying. See, that makes a difference. Mm. Right. They're believing for everything to go wrong so that they can learn to be patient. I mean, we're hog tying ourselves uh, in this way. You right. Know? The spirit of God. Right. Contains these things.
0: And that spirit is in you. Absolutely. Let's just display this fruit. Right. Exactly. That's exactly my point. Kindness is another one. Kindness, I think, is different than being nice. I know some people who are very nice, but then those nice people may not have your best interest in heart and they can go behind your back and this, that, and the other right. thing. I think you know some people like this. You know, you I'm run into water too. Yeah. You know, but kindness are those people who genuinely care it's not just about being friendly but have a generous heart a considerate heart toward others putting others needs before their
1: own i can be nice and be about me that's right but kindness is about showing something to someone
0: else it's about them and it's not always nice whenever the lord disciplines us right it doesn't feel it feel doesn't very feel good nice. right <laughs> And so, when a father disciplines his son, it may not be very nice in the moment. Again, I can't prioritize how you feel about me right now. I've got to prioritize, or or your feelings, I've got to prioritize what's best for your future. Right. And so, sometimes that's not really nice. Was it nice for the dad in your story to say, wait, 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 let him touch the hot stove. He'll never do it again. That wasn't a nice thing to do, but it was actually the kindest thing he could have done, the most loving thing he could have done. Right. I believe that. So that's interesting. Uh, Goodness. Now, what is, what is goodness to you? Is it moral character? The spirit of God operates in me. I
1: have good feelings toward other people. I want to help, you know, I want to take care of them. I want to love them. I have goodness coming out of me.
0: Not because, not because Jason is a, good god by his own means but i think righteousness of uh, morality is is included in the word good you know goodness yeah. there has to be a righteousness kind of undertone to right. this it's one of the attributes of god you know his right his holiness god is good yeah exactly and and he resides within us so that goodness flows out of us it's part of it's a, it's one of the fruits of the spirit so goodness to me is integrity of character you know the righteousness and when no one's looking, you're doing the right thing, right? That's, that's kind of a, a goodness, you know? And I, I think it flows hand in hand with kindness, but it's a little different. And here's another idea. What if greatness could happen without goodness? You think that's possible? I think all greatness is built on goodness. Goodness is the foundation of greatness. What are are your thoughts on that? Well,
1: if you're talking about, you know, the God-approved kind of greatness, then
0: yeah. Not the Alexander the Great kind of greatness. You can be great at something, right? Like, uh, you can be a great boxer and you could say his greatness as a boxer. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so... You got to qualify that greatness. Right. I would say that a moral greatness is built on goodness, I can see that. Um faithfulness is another one. It's reliability, loyalty, trustworthiness. Yeah. L- the Lord is so faithful. And not only is he faithful when I'm not, he seems to be even more faithful when I fail in For my sure. faithfulness. He's great. He's strong when I'm weak. But if we're if we're faithful to each other, And to him, our lives just go so much more smoothly. For sure. The um, amount of drama that people have in their lives, in in their relationships and whatnot, when they lack this faithfulness, it's hard to believe, but people are still cheating on each other out there. Wives and husbands are being unfaithful out there, and it's just an unimaginable evil. But that lack of faithfulness in itself, I mean, you're in a covenant here. Yeah. Yeah. In the sight of God. I don't think they understand that. But that lack of faithfulness brings so much sadness, depression, pain, agony, suffering, and straight out drama. The stories I've heard from people that are going through these things, Mm -hmm. years of chaos have occurred and destroyed lives because of one act of unfaithfulness.
1: Yeah. Faithfulness is uh, is something that's usually very visible. If you've been around someone for a, a little while, you work next to them, you, you, you know them, they're your friend, it's not going to take you too long to figure out if this is a faithful person. They're, are they faithful to the relationship y'all have? Are they faithful to God? Are they faithful to different what they
0: say? Right. You so know, ah, oh, that's a good point. You have to be a person of your word. Yeah. That's part of being faithful. And, you know, my mom used to tell me something when I was young. She says, your word is your bond. No word, no bond. Right. And that has held true in my life. I have noticed that to be the case. You cannot feel as bonded with someone when they break their word. Yeah. It's real difficult.
1: Uh to, to to continue with those people, really, in any way, yeah. you know, if they are a person that continually breaks their word, then you're like, yeah, you know, this is a, a person I don't want to deal with too much anymore. Kind of yeah. drives you away from them. I'm yeah. sitting over here thinking about your mom saying that to you, and I'm thinking, I wonder, did she say it like you say it? Like, uh, no word, no
0: bond. <laughs> <laughs> I can see your mom leaning over the table, no bond. Oh, man, your voice is fantastic. Why, thank you, I want you to speak like that from now on all the time, okay?
1: In a world where nobody's word means anything, (laughs) one man
0: strong enough to make that bond, (laughs) James Bond. (laughs) Okay, anyway, sorry I messed you all up there. That's fantastic, man. I thought you were doing an uh, Optimus Prime impression there for a second. That was great. Our war has come to the planet Earth. Now, we must help the Earthlings fight the evil (laughs) (laughs) Decepticons. Autobots, transform and roll
1: out.
0: (laughs) And then uh, let's go on to the next one, gentleness. Now, this one is a big one to me. So, gentleness being a fruit of the Spirit. Let me tell you, even for years and years and years after I became a Christian, I've been a Christian for over 15 years now. And gentleness, I think, has been the one that has been the toughest to come about in my life because my human nature is not gentle. And I've asked the Holy Spirit to help me grow in this again and again and again. And I think it has only in the last two or three years really started to develop more in me. I've been able to become more gentle. Now, some people are going to be offended no matter what. Some people are offended just because we're talking about Jesus right now. right? Uh, and you, you can't stop all offense. And I'm not worried about that. But I do want to consider other people's feelings. Right. Because
1: if I don't, then all I care about is what I want to say right yeah what what self believes is right true or good or whatever and not about the other person we've lost you know our connection with love there right when when my goal is the kingdom of god when when my goal is that what i say to people some way points them toward the king right yes. i have got to i've got to tone down and consider what and how i'm saying it so that i don't cause an offense and don't drive this person away from this flow of God that could be coming to them out of this conversation, right? You know, I'm going to leave this conversation. I'm gonna go do something else. And they're going to go home they're going to think about it maybe for days because the Holy spirit is good like that. Yeah. But what happens if my, my demeanor, you know, and the way that I talk, was full of self because i feel so strongly about a particular situation and it's so full of the way i think right that it causes them offense yes and now they don't look toward god at all that's exactly Matter of fact, this conversation as it's repeating in their head is offensive two days from now right right and so to me what you're saying you know when my when my focus is the kingdom and the king uh then what i'm saying has got to be metered in a way that Uh, I I do the very best I can to not harm them in this conversation. I'm concerned about their eternity and I'm concerned about even the rest of their life, even if they know my Jesus. I'm I'm concerned about how the rest of their life's going to go.
0: Right. You know, I don't want to cause offense to anybody on purpose. Right, right. Well... That is what I was trying to say, but I like the way you said it a lot better. Hey. <laughs> it was good. That's right. Exactly. You know, only one of us can be smart at, the, at a time. Right, right. It's yeah. your turn right is now. Is it my turn? <laughs> <laughs> hey. So, here we go. The last one, number nine, self-control. So, self-control, we kind of hit on this with, with self-discipline. Uh, they're not exactly the same thing. They're a little different. Uh, self-control is exercising discipline and restraint right so when you've got the tacos in the refrigerator right you don't eat those when you've got the marshmallows in front of you you say no you delay immediate self gratification and you kind of divert your desires from your behavior and you separate those two things and say I'm going to behave this way regardless of my desires and what I want right now. Right. And we have that with Holy Spirit. Self-control. You know, self-discipline
1: practiced is going to produce self-control. Yes. Uh, self-discipline to seek out the Lord on the daily, you know, if not daily, all day. The fruit of his presence is going to produce self-control.
0: Yes. And these fruits are evidence of the transformative work yeah. that Holy Spirit does within us. I think it's Romans twelve. Romans twelve, two says something to the effect of do not conform, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. And that's what's going on as we become sanctified. I think that's in Romans 8. We've been called, chosen, destined to take on his attributes to become like Jesus, to be transformed and take on every single one of these fruits and display them for the purpose of furthering his kingdom as ambassadors of Christ.
1: And and it's important to say that these are things that happen because of him in you. It's not things that you try. Like, I'm trying to be good, you know. I'm trying to be full of these fruits, you know. I want to yeah, they come out of you naturally. They come out of you because he's coming out of you Right, supernaturally. Yeah. Yeah. The more you try, the more you're going to pretty much fail at this. That's right. You know. Uh but you you start seeing that when you want to do things like God does
0: things, these fruits manifest. You know, talking about the gentleness and and how I kind of struggled with that one for a while. I want would like to share a little story of my own. Come on, tell me a story. So, all of us know that men and women are different creatures, okay? And we, we speak different languages. I hope that doesn't offend anyone, but oh well, it's just one of the facts of life, okay? Well, if they don't realize that, they're backwards. <laughs> well, there's a bunch of that going on out there nowadays. Hey,
1: if you believe men and women are the
0: same, put that in the comments so we can pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> so without getting political, my wife had said something that I just didn't understand. And she says, you just don't understand. And I said, you're right. I don't, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And I felt some kind of way about that. I was like, man, you know, I didn't say this, but I'm like, I'm thinking, why don't you just communicate what it is to me so that I can understand, you know. Uh, but as I was praying about it to the Lord, he hit me with this one. And this one's been growing on me for the last several years now. He says, you don't have to understand to be understanding. Yes. Yes. And that has helped me grow in my gentleness. It's exactly what I needed to hear to help me understand that I don't need to understand in order to be understanding in the moment. For sure. And that has allowed me to not chase things down for understanding. Because in the past, I was guilty of going, well, if I don't understand that I'm making it my business to fully grasp it on every level so that I can, what, fix it. Right. It was almost an obsession. I had to understand it so that I could dissect it and resolve it. But being understanding for sure has made some amazing changes. Yeah. For the positive. Not that there were big issues before. I mean, we've always got along, you know, everything's great. It's just the, again, men and women are different. And sometimes men need to learn, we need to learn to be a little more gentle around the women. It's not like you and I talking, you know, two guys, I can go, hey, man, what's your problem? And you can go, this, that, and other thing. I'm going to say, well, do this then and fix it. And you're like, oh, that worked. Thanks. And we're done. We're skipping off into the sunset together. Yay, no more problem. But that's just not the way it works for them. No. But you can be understanding and you can say, hey, I'm sorry you're going through this. I, too, have been through this, and it's horrible. And you know, I'm here for you. I understand. And just stop. Just stop and let them know you understand. Mm-hmm. You're right. And just be gentle about it. That ought to be in a marriage book. It might be. No, I think it is. It probably is. Yeah. You know, But I think God puts people who are opposite in a lot of ways together to help us grow in the areas that we need to grow in. I need to grow in all of the areas that she is already an expert at, like gentleness and the ability to sympathize with people and have mercy on people in the moment, uh, regardless of anything going on. If something happens to you, oh, and she can feel mercy for you right now. I want to know, first, I want to know some things, you know, for me, I'm like, hmm, did you do it to yourself? You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, how did this come about, you know, but for her, it just comes naturally, and so she's really good at, at certain things. And, and I think I'm really good at certain things. And God put us together to help us both grow in the areas. And, and it's working. Right. It's perfect. The only bad thing is that we don't agree on the temperature in the home. We walk by the thermostat. Well, I what,
1: <laughs> she turns it up. How many people have that same
0: problem? <laughs> We're exact opposites in every way. But that I think God knows what he's doing now, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I enjoyed listening to that. Well, hopefully our listeners have enjoyed listening to us today. We've been talking about self-discipline and how it relates to self-control and the fruits of the spirit and uh, all sorts of things surrounding self-discipline. Before we get out of here, do you have anything else to add? If you have any
1: comments about self-discipline or a story you want to tell us, leave it in the comments or write us, you know, on
0: one of these platforms love to hear from you yeah and you know what else I'd like to hear if you've got a New year's resolution uh, let us know what it is and if you are sticking to it you know how are you gonna do that what is your plan to stick to it tell us about your diligence and your commitment to this thing and and you know do you have an accountability partner if not how are you holding yourself accountable to stick to this plan? What are some of your obstacles that you're having to overcome? You know, we talked about some big ones, uh, death, uh, divorce, depression. But maybe you've got some smaller ones. Uh, I have a, a long list. What about you? Send us an email or post a comment online. Yeah, we'd like to hear that. One more thing.
1: If you've prayed for somebody in the last year and you saw
0: God come through and do it, I want to hear about that. Oh, you know what? We could do an entire episode, I bet, on people's answered
1: prayers. Yeah, if you'll leave your answered prayers in the comments or email us, uh, we're going to put together a show about that because that's a real big deal for me. And uh, we'll uh, tell some of you you guys' stories.
0: Yeah, we'll talk uh, about... Prayers that God has answered. That's great. For the purpose of giving glory to God. Absolutely. How often do, you know, we should do this a lot more often in church, I think, because people in church are the ones that have the most testimonies about what God has done in their lives. And they aren't getting up on stage behind the microphone going, okay, let me let me list out the 17 prayers that were answered this week. <laughs> Each person has a plethora yeah. that they could, they could list out. Yeah, we'd like to hear about that. Yeah, that's a great idea, Monk. Thank you, buddy. (laughs) So thank you again for joining us on, again, your favorite podcast, Frontal Lobe. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hey, let's pray together. Yes. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to come together and spread your word, spread your kingdom, to further your kingdom, Lord. We want to shine your light in the darkness. We want your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We know that it's not about us, it's about you. Lord, we ask that you use this podcast and our obedience to let your power radiate through the airwaves and penetrate the lives of our listeners. And open eyes, lift veils, change lives, change hearts. And let every bit of that begin in us. Yes. Thank you so much, Father. Yeah.
1: In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Nice. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you.
0: Asking why. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard today, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and wherever you get your podcasts. Drop a comment to let me know that you're listening and feel free to share. If you'd like to support the continued production of Frontal Lobe, please make donations through Spotify or on Patreon. Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. I'm truly honored and humbled to see feedback letting me know that this show is having a positive impact on my listeners. Stay in touch and subscribe now to stay up to date with my latest episode at frontallobepodcast.com. Until next time, remember that armed with an open mind and some divine wisdom, we can face the daily grind together with confidence and dare to reimagine life.